There were uh, two boys playing in the backyard one day. Uh, the father was kind of curious as to what they were playing, and so he went outside and asked his two boys in the backyard, hey, what are you guys doing? What are you guys playing? And the boys uh, said, well, we're playing war. You know, we're playing army. And so the dad was kind of confused a little bit, a little curious. Uh, well, why do I not hear any uh, shouting uh, of the guns popping off or, or cannons firing or seeing you chasing around the enemies? And the boys replied, well, we both wanted to be generals. Well, this morning, you know, as we discuss serving like Jesus, you know, a lot of us don't necessarily uh, love to get our hands dirty, right? Uh, when you think of Jesus, when you think of Jesus, what comes to mind? You know, maybe what comes to mind is the, is the sustainer and the creator uh, of this world. Maybe that's the Jesus that you think of. Or maybe you think of Jesus, the, the savior of the world, right? The lamb of God, the one who went to the cross to die for our sins. Maybe that's the Jesus you think of. Maybe you think of Jesus as the head of the church, the one who holds the authority, the one we look to in all things and matters pertaining to church, the church. Maybe that's the Jesus you think of. What about Jesus, the servant, Jesus, the servant, the one who got down on his hands and knees and washed the, his disciples feet? You know, in our quest to be imitators of him, as Paul frequently writes throughout his letters, to be imitators of Jesus or to be imitators of himself, who is an imitator of Jesus, we ask ourselves, well, how can I be like the creator of the universe? Or how can I be like the savior of the world? Or how can I be the, like the head of the church? You know, maybe those things don't really resonate with us because those are things, of course, that we just cannot be. But Jesus, the servant... That is something that you and I can relate to this morning. This sermon that I uh, am doing this morning kind of relates to a Bible class that we studied last Sunday morning. We were looking in Mark chapter 10, and I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark 10, because that's where our text is going to come from this morning. But I asked the following questions to the class. The first question I asked is, are you comfortable saying that you're God's servant or that you're God's slave? And I think most people were comfortable saying that. I, I pointed to Romans chapter 6, verse 16, that talks about that we are not slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness, slaves to obedience. And again, I asked the question, are you comfortable saying that? And again, a lot of us nodded our heads, yes, so that's, that's fine. But then I asked the question, are you okay saying that you are a slave of all? And that's where it got a little dicey. That's where we had to stop and think a little bit. See, the first two questions we didn't have any problem admitting to, but that last question, being a slave to all, a servant to all, that caught us off a little off guard. And so if you would turn with me to Mark chapter 10, and we'll sort of see where this is coming from. Again, Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35. Follow along as I read some of these verses here. In Mark 10, 35, it says that James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or on my left. This is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. 
So we have James and John, two of the apostles, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. They, they come to Jesus. And actually, Matthew's account of this says that it was their mother who came to Jesus and asked this question. But they came and asked this question. But before they asked the question, you notice they said, Jesus, we want you to do for us something. You know, doesn't that sound like a child who knows that maybe they're not going to get a, a yes answer? And so you kind of prep your parents by saying, listen, go, before I ask this question, uh, go ahead and say yes. Uh, but, but Jesus, knowing, that, knowing their thoughts, says, listen, what do you want from me? And they ask, grant it that we may sit on your left and right in the kingdom. Well, Jesus, of course, says, are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink from? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I was able to be baptized by? And they said, yes. Now, now Jesus is talking uh, figuratively here about the persecution that he is going to endure uh, in a few uh, days because we're almost to uh, him entering into Jerusalem to uh, have that final week of his life and eventually be nailed to the cross. But Jesus says, that answer is not mine to give, but for those who has been prepared for. And the other 10, the other 10 apostles, they became indignant. They became irate of these two brothers. Probably because they wanted that position of power for themselves as well. If you go back to Mark chapter 9, verse 34, it says they've been talking about this for quite a while, right? They wanted to know which one of them is going to be the greatest in this kingdom. Look at verses 42 through 45, because here's the lesson that Jesus is going to teach them. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not that way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus begins saying, listen, in the Gentile world, they, they organize, they, they structured this hierarchy uh, of having someone on top. And sort of this chain of authority going on, a corporate organization structure. You know, again, you have a boss at the top and then under them are maybe some others. And it just keeps going. There's this chain of authority. But Jesus says, it's not that way among you. Whoever wishes to be great among you, he says, shall be their servant. Jesus is teaching, as we've seen throughout his life, as we've been studying this on Sunday mornings, it's countercultural, isn't it? It's revolutionary. Because, again, the Gentile world, they structure where you have a boss at the top and somebody's under him and under him and under him. But Jesus says, if you want to be great, if you want to be that top guy, you've got to be a servant. You've got to be the guy at the bottom of that. Whoever wishes to be first among you, he says, shall be slave of all. Did you notice that? He switches from the word servant to slave. That puts a little bit more emphasis on that, right? Uh, if you want to be, you're going to have to be a servant. You're going to have to be a slave. James and John, you know, think about them at this moment. They're going from wanting these positions of power to being told that they're going to have to become a servant or a slave of all in order to do that. And then, of course, Jesus says in that last verse, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Well, this morning, as we uh, jump off from this account here in, in the book of Mark, we want to ask ourselves some things about the life of Jesus, how to serve like Jesus. If Jesus says that we need to be servants, if we need to be slaves to all, what does that mean? And so we're going to talk about four points here first of reasons to serve. And then after that, I'll give you four more points as to, uh, you know, why or what are the results of serving? So let's notice these. Uh, the first one, reasons to serve. The first one 
is because service is Christ-like. Service is Christ-like. You know, being a service is, servant is difficult. It's selfless. It's humbling. It's inconvenient at times. But it is Christ-like. You know, John chapter 1, verse 14. Do you remember this verse where the Apostle John says of Jesus that he was full of grace and truth? You know, a lot of times as Christians, we want to be right. You know, we, we want to be in that right position all the time. And so sometimes we'll put that above the, the, the grace aspect of this. But Jesus was full of grace and truth. You know, again, we, we need to have that balance as well. Of course, we want to be right. Uh, we, we want to be right and to uh, accurately uh, hold the scriptures. But we also want the, to be, as Jesus was, full of grace as well. If there was anyone, if there was anyone who could say uh, when they lived in this world that, hey, do you know who I am? It was Jesus, wasn't it? If anyone could demand us to serve him, it was Jesus. If there was anyone who could just sit back and relax, it was Jesus. That reminds me of, of this, uh, the story of this uh, train uh, ticket taker. You say that three times fast. Train ticket taker. And he, uh, the owner of a railroad came uh, one day and he was wanting to ride on his railway. And as he approached the train, the ticket taker said to him, uh, sir, may I have a ticket? May I have your ticket? And of course, he didn't have a ticket. He was the owner, right? He didn't need that. But he, but he was told that he couldn't get on board his own train. But he said to the man, he said, I own this railroad. I pay your salary. Do you know who I am? The ticket taker said, no, I don't know who you are, who you are but do you know I, who I am? I'm in charge of the tickets. And unless you have a ticket, you're not getting on board this train. If there was anyone who had lived who could say, I don't need to serve, it would have been Jesus. But that wasn't Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 lets us know that it was the will of God that you and I to conform to the image of Jesus. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he said, For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. We aren't to conform to Jesus, or excuse me, Jesus isn't to conform to us, but we are to conform to Jesus. And Jesus was a servant. But many of us will say in times of, of service, do you know who I am? Uh, I don't have time for that. But Jesus was a servant and service is Christ-like. Number two, service is difficult. You might be thinking, is that supposed to be motivational? Is that supposed to get me motivated to serve? Do you remember when you were a child or maybe you've seen children do this, but they play with that game. It's sort of a ball that's got these different shapes in it. And, you know, you take the shapes and you put it into the ball and, it, you know, it helps with some of the skills growing up. Do you come home from work and still play with that ball? You don't, do you? Well, why? Well, because it's boring to us now. It's too easy. That's for a toddler, we say. We want things that challenge us. We want things that give us meaning. Well, service is difficult. Service is a challenge. Service gives meaning. Service requires sacrifice, right? It doesn't come naturally to a lot of us. Mark chapter 10, verse 37, we just read. Again, uh, they said to Jesus, can we have that seat on your left and your right? And Jesus said, are you able to drink the cup? Are, are you able to be baptized? Again, uh, meaning, are you able to go through this uh, intense period of persecution that I'm about to go through? 
Jesus also said back in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, to deny yourself, to take up your cross and to follow him. Again, service is difficult. It's something that we need to learn to become better at. It's a learned behavior. You know, it, it's, it's be, living uh, an unselfish life. Really, it's an art form. It takes perfecting. You know, some, we, we know some who can paint these beautiful masterpieces of service. And we look at that and say, wow, you know, that, that was just so wonderful. And, you know, I know, I know a lot of children love to draw pictures. Right? Uh, I have one, a young one, who is drawing pictures throughout the house and leaving them throughout the house. And when you look at them, you know, from an artistic standpoint, you know, they need practice, right? They need practice. But that's the same thing with our, our service to God. Is, is that we need to continue practicing those things. It's difficult, but it's an art. It takes repetition. So again, another reason to serve is because it's difficult, but it's a challenge. Number three, service is needed. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. This is the passage that uh, hopefully you're familiar with here this morning. Uh, but we're going to notice something on here that maybe uh, you haven't noticed uh, before In Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 22 and 23, Paul writes this. He says, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know, we remember that passage, right? Because it says that Jesus is the head of the church. And he says the church is the body of Christ. But don't miss that part at the very end of that verse where he says, that the church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know, we might say, think of those as filler words, but really there's an important point here to be had. Do you need Jesus? Well, absolutely you need Jesus. But does Jesus need you? You know, we might be tempted to say, uh, maybe, uh, no, yes, uh, I'm not sure. But what does that passage say there? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. It says the church completes Christ. Jesus needs the church to accomplish his purpose. Now, not intrinsically, of course, but, but that's how he chose uh, the church to, to work. Right? It, it was incomplete by choice. You know, could have Jesus uh, in this life have come to each one of us individually and tell us what we need to do to be saved? Well, again, of course, he could have done that, but he chose not to. He chose the vehicle in which to do that was the church, through the church. He put his message, his gospel message in earthen vessels, you know, in fleshly bodies in us. He, he, he leaves that up to us to go out into the world and to teach others. He chose the church to be the pillar and the support of the truth. And again, Jesus is saying here is he's not complete without the church. The church is the fullness of Christ. He needs you to do what you're supposed to do. Right? He needs you. Service is needed. Uh, our last point that we want to notice is that a reason to serve is because service is motivational. How can one choose not to serve this morning knowing what Jesus did for him or her? He went to the cross never doing a single thing wrong. And how can I not give something back to him because of what he has done? You know, sometimes we've got to look beyond the person we're serving and see Jesus uh, a preacher told a story of a, of a Bible class teacher who came, came to him one day and said, listen, I just can't do it anymore. I've been doing this you know, year after year. I, I don't like this new curriculum that the elders chose to install. And I just I don't want to teach anymore. I just don't want to do it. Well, the preacher took the time and said to her, 
Listen, if Jesus was right here in front of you and he asked you to to teach, what would you say? Would you? She said, well, absolutely I would. Well, then he said, well, isn't Jesus still asking you? And of course he is. We have all types of reasons not to serve each other. But if we can get past each other and see Jesus, what has he ever done to us? Colossians chapter 2, excuse me, Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. In this context, uh, Jesus, or excuse me, Paul is talking about the, 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 the master-slave relationship, or we can apply that today as sort of an employer-employee relationship. And notice what he says here in Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. He says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. In the passage in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, don't be a man pleaser, right? Work knowing that you're working for the Lord. Again, what has God ever done to make me not want to serve him? No matter how unpleasant your job is, your task is, remember, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for the Lord. Look beyond the person that you are serving again and see Jesus. You know, those are four quick reasons why we should serve and serve like Jesus. But now let's talk about the results of serving. Uh, What can we get out of serving? Well, number one, joyfulness. You know, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and we talked about this verse quite a bit uh, a few months ago. But again, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We're coming into that time of year. Uh, of course, that as a child, uh, you know, we, all you're thinking about is what's under the Christmas tree. You know, what's in that box? What's in that present? I, I, I want to know. I can't wait. I can't wait to open it. But as a parent, you don't think that way anymore, do you? You're not waiting, uh, eagerly anticipating what's under the tree for you, but you're waiting to see your child open up that gift, right? That's what excites you. That's what gets you going because it's more blessed to give than to receive. You ever done something for a person and felt good about it? Well, the reason why is because, well, he tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. The reason why is because that's how God made us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, listen to what Paul writes here. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We were made to serve. We were, uh, that's how he made us. And again, the result of serving like Christ is joyfulness. And number two, there's a term maybe we don't use too much, but being zealous, zealousness. Titus chapter two, verse 14 says that we are zealous people for good works. Christians are zealous for deeds, good deeds. That means we're finding ways to serve people. We're eager to find ways to serve people. Do you jump at those opportunities? Do you jump at those? Uh, I've been, uh, you know, uh, at a different couple of congregations in my life, and I've got to go and visit a lot of different congregations in my life. And I know that there are some churches where, you know, you've got to get out of the way. You're going to get trampled. You're going to get run over because people love to serve. But then there are other congregations where you've got to pull people. You know, you've, you've got to drag them to get them to work. The child of God should not have to be drugged into good works, nor should he wait for that opportunity to fall into his lap because he is zealous for good works. He should pursue opportunities to serve. 
We should not have to wait for those opportunities to come to us. Paul said in Romans chapter 14, verse 19, that we are to pursue peaceful things and the building up of one another. Again, pursue those things. Don't wait till they fall into your lap, but pursue them. We might ask ourselves this morning, you know, uh, how can I uh, serve? Um, you know, maybe I'm not part of a program here. Maybe, maybe I've, I don't serve it as much as I want to. Well, think of, think of the, maybe the, the secular skill that you have, the, the job, the, the profession that you're in. Are, are you in the marketing profession? Well, have you ever thought about marketing the church? Are you in the financial planning uh, profession? Have you ever thought about serving others by uh, helping them uh, financially plan in their lives? Are you in the teaching profession? Again, we might ask, well, how am I serving the church in that capacity? Can I help teach? Can I help teach others how to teach? Are you passionate about something? Consider serving the church. Well, one of the congregations that we've uh, associated with uh, back in, in Knoxville, they have this day called Forever His. Right? Two days a year, they, they bring in all of those who are uh, maybe mentally disabled uh, or handicapped, and they bring them in for a, a fun day, a fun carnival-like day event so that uh, the kids can have something to look forward to, but also give the parents a little bit of time off. And it's this great ministry that they do. And again, this isn't something that they have to do, but this is something they want to do. They're pursuing it. So again, they're zealous for good works, Paul says. Uh, we, we as Christians must be zealous for those things. Number three, remembering the little things. You know, uh, we might be willing to get involved if, it, if we're called to serve in a large way, but what about the small things that we can do? You know, big things don't come around ever so often, but those little things are here every day. Remember Jesus in Mark chapter 9, verse 41, talked about giving a cup of cold water, right? Giving a cup of water to someone. That's a small action, but Jesus says, I love that. I will remember that. As Brenton read for us here a moment ago in, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, what an encouraging verse. Again, let's read that again. Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love with which you have shown towards his name and having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. You know, that gives me hope. That gives me the motivation to keep going because even though someone may not recognize what I'm doing, God sees it. God knows. You know, think of individuals who have to care for someone else, maybe 24-7, right? They, they help feed them. They help wash them. They help do their laundry, run errands. And they bring them to church, you know, and maybe we don't see them until the next week. Well, what's going on in their life Monday through Saturday? Well, we don't know, but God knows. God knows those deeds that they're doing. God takes notice of those tasks performed day after day. You know, um, hearkening back to um, back our time in Michigan, you know, we had this uh, young adults group, a young adults group. And so this was a little while ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago. But we had this group who got together and we would uh, we were all you know, married or single, but we didn't have no one in that group had kids at the time. Until Angela and I happened to have the first kid in that group. And, uh, and because of that, you know, we couldn't start, we couldn't go to all the, the gatherings maybe once or twice a month. And it was tough on us at first. 
uh, we thought, you know, what are we doing? You know, we're, we're getting uh, Allison dressed to go out to, to the homes of these other uh, Christians. And then maybe she might spit up on her clothes or she might be sick. And, you know, we can't go. And so we felt bad and we felt like we were missing out. And we weren't putting in uh, or working like we should have been. Until one person pointed out that, listen, raising children uh, in God's way, that's still God's work. You're, you're still doing God's work. Again, remember those little things. The recognition of the fact that God accepts small acts of service puts meaningful service within everyone's reach. And then finally here this morning, can we serve for nothing? Can we serve for nothing? Serve when no one pats you on the back. You remember in the book of Job how the devil thought that he could get Job to turn his back uh, to God. You remember this? He says, he says to God, no wonder Job serves you, right? You put this hedge around him. You blessed him with everything that he needs. You know, let me touch his life. And we'll see if he fears God for nothing or, or if he serves God for nothing. Well, that's the, again, that's the determination that we need. We need to serve God for nothing. When one realizes that his service is to the Lord, it's not contingent about being shown the proper respect or getting the sufficient thanks that one would want, but uh, even serving when overlooked or being criticized or lied about or threatened. Again, uh, you've heard of this passage where, where Paul says, preach in season and out of season. Well, could we say that we should serve in season and out of season? Can you serve when no one knows that you're serving? Can you uh, serve when no one's patting you on the back? Can you serve when no credit at all is given? You know, it's great. It would be wonderful to see um, these random acts of kindness all throughout the church. I remember uh, growing up going to uh, Detroit Tigers games uh, in old Tiger Stadium. It doesn't, it doesn't stand anymore, but in old Tiger Stadium, there was this tradition to you know, blow up these beach balls. And these beach balls... You'd smack it and it'd go around the, you know, the whole stadium two or three times until maybe a security guard would get it and pop it. And then someone would just blow up another one and start it going again. But think about that. Think about if we as a church here was like that beach ball, a random acts of kindness that goes from one person to the next, to the next, to the next. And not because we're told to do it, but because we deliberately do it. Because that's what Jesus expects of his church, to deliberately do it. Christianity is deliberate acts of kindness. We're zealous to do those things. It's a joyful thing. And again, here's some results of serving. Well, our Lord came into this world to serve. You want to look like Jesus? You want to be an imitator of Jesus? Pick up a pitcher and a towel, right? You'll never look more like Jesus than with a pitcher and a towel. As disciples of Jesus, we're trying to conform our lives to match his Again, you'll never be more like the Lord you love when you are engaged in service to your fellow man. Remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7? He said that, that Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. Again, that's our Lord and Savior. He emptied himself, came from heaven to earth, taking the form not as a ruler, as a majesty, but as a bondservant. Are you a Christian here this morning? You've been called to serve. You, you've been called to be a slave to all. And again, the, the point that I'm trying to make here this morning is that, you know, this isn't sort of a suggestion by the Apostle Paul or even Jesus. 
But he's commanding us. If we want to be Christians in this life, faithful Christians, we have got to serve. He demands it. Are you comfortable this morning saying that? He, if he did not come to serve, or to be served, but to serve, we ask ourselves this morning, what am I doing? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one in the body can be recompensed in the body according to the deeds in which he has done, whether good or bad. We know that there is a day of judgment coming in which we'll stand before our Lord and Savior in judgment, and he will go through those deeds that we have done in the body, whether good or bad. And as we recall in the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, what are we going to hear? Are we going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? You've done well with the talents and the abilities and the gifts and the time and the finances that I gave to you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Or will we hear what that one slave heard that day? Throw out the worthless slave into outer darkness. This morning, are you comfortable saying that you are a slave to all? Can you serve like Jesus? I hope this lesson here this morning encourages us all to become better servants of of Christ, to be more like Christ in our daily lives, and again, uh, to uh, understand that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, and we want to as well. This morning, as we offer the invitation, if anyone here this morning needs the the prayers of the congregation, the encouragement of the congregation, uh, we would love the opportunity to pray for you, to help you in your walk with, with, with Christ, or if you're here this morning and you're ready to become a Christian. Uh, that you've heard the word, you've believed that Jesus is the Son of God, that you've repented of your sin, confessed him as Lord, and you're ready to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. We would love the opportunity to assist you uh, with that this morning, that the Lord will add you to his church. And and from that point forward, we'll we'll live a faithful life for him. This morning, uh, if we can help you in either of those ways, please let us know as together we stand and sing.